The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. This is John Silver, lead recruiter of The Dark Order, and you are listening to All Things Elite. to the 92nd episode of Social Suplex's podcast about AEW with a proclivity for positivity. Welcome to All Things Elite. My name is Austin Sumwitz, and I am the host of this lovely show. Joining with me, as always, is Floyd Johnson Jr., my man. How you doing? I am doing well. I am on day like 11 or 12 in a row at work, and it doesn't finish until next Friday. So you would think I'd be tired. But then I got rejuvenated today, which I know we're a wrestling show, but I am a diehard Kansas City Chiefs fan. So I got to find out that Patrick Mahomes is cleared of concussion protocol and will be playing Sunday. So can't nobody bring me down. I'm not saying the Chiefs are unbeatable with Patrick Mahomes. They're not. But if we're going to lose... If we're going to lose as a team, I'd rather it be with Patrick than without. So I'm very happy. And in a great sign of things to come, the Detroit Lions hired a new coach and he went on to cut the greatest press conference promo of all time. He's going to bite my kneecaps. He's going he's gonna to bite my kneecaps. It's being referred to as the Steiner math of wrestling press conferences. Honestly, there's not there's nothing else I can point to except for that. I mean, honestly, I'm excited that he's uh, got this much enthusiasm coming to Detroit because obviously, like, we are not a good sports team any town anymore. Um, that's going to be a really telling thing for him because that kind of speech can end up being a double edged sword because you're going to need to get results with talking like that. So I'm hoping for him. Honestly, it's better than we had with goddamn Patricia, though. Jesus, dude, if he fails though, everybody's going to point to this press conference as oh it was never good from the beginning and if he yeah and when he's successful if he's successful it'll be just like it started off bumpy but the road to success but i play with the lions right now i'm currently playing with the lions on my franchise and i am nine year eight years in and i've still yet to go to a super bowl keeping with tradition I, it just tells you. It just tells you that there's something wrong with that roster, man. So I went 15 and one in a season. 15 and one. 
legit simulating, wasn't playing the game, was just simulating, because that's what I do. I build the team, and then I simulate. So I went 15-1. and one. Got to skip. I was the number one overall seed. Lost the first game. I literally never, still haven't been to the conference championship. I cannot win a playoff game with the Lions. Well, I mean, we won, we won one playoff game in 60 years, so, I mean, like, it's not completely out of the ordinary. So, Madden is real. Like, my team, seriously, every year, 12 to 15, to, like, right now, it's averaging between 12 and 13 wins a year. I can't get out of the first round of the playoffs. It's the Lions curse, man. It's the Lions curse. Just nothing ever goes right for us, but we'll see if Dan Campbell pulls it around. Honestly, we'll see. Um, but we need something good to happen to this town. Jesus Christ. Detroit football. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and as for your Kansas City Chiefs, as much as uh, they were a great story last year, I'm pulling for Stefan Diggs and the Buffalo Bills, honestly. I want to see my former Viking, the man that brought us the Minneapolis Miracle, to go on and win a Super Bowl. That man deserves a ring. So I, I have – I am as nice as I am. I, I always tell people in my personal life, I am a bit of a villain. I'm a bit of a heel. <laughs> so in my life, when I was I was always jealous of the Cowboys and the 49ers in the 80s and 90s. The you know eventually even the Buffalo Bills in the early 90s, and then the New England Patriots and teams like that. I want to be the team that wins so much. That everybody hates us. Yeah, I want to be like, I am so sick of Patrick Mahomes. I am so sick of the Chiefs winning. Andy Reid is fat. Whatever you want to say, I want to be hated as an NFL fan. So, because it's a great feeling. It's and that's I always say that in wrestling. And I was like, why do all I was like I used to ask this kid, why do all heels have to be chicken shits? Because in 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 reality, you know who people hate more? Not the people that cheat. It's the people that win all the time. Yep. Yeah. So like the New Englands. Tom Brady was he kind of like became a heel in the in the fan side because yeah. he won all the time. Yeah, people hate the guy that they just get sick of people. So I want people to get sick of Patrick Mahomes. Getting they're not sick of us yet. He's still the the young upcoming gunslinger. People like us. So what he needs to take everybody's kind of on the Josh Allen bandwagon as the new gunslinger. So he has to destroy him. So people, you know, hate us. And oh, the little Buffalo, the little town that could, putting his foot all up in their ass. Oh my God. I mean, Buffalo's Daniel Bryan, and the, and the Chiefs are Roman Reigns. And then this is like just won the title for the first time, Roman Reigns. And then you have Yes Movement Daniel Bryan. Buffalo Bills is Yes Movement Daniel Bryan. So no matter what, if we win, if we lose that game, I. You know, everybody's going to have the story of Josh Allen, the kid from Wyoming that was destined to do this. But if the Chiefs win, it's going to be like those goddamn Chiefs. And that's what I want. He's in for sure. Yeah, and that's what I want. want. Yeah. Because, I mean, honestly, the people on our team aren't the best people. Uh, Tyreek Hill. Uh, just yeah. I was just yeah. <laughs> go ahead and Google him if you want to. <laughs> if you got time, Google him. He is... Hey, he is not the best person, but 
he wins and he's faster than every other human in the NFL. So that's how it works. And, you know, Patrick Mahomes is great. Travis Kelsey, Travis Kelsey, it's one of those things he's up for man of the year this year. But for a lot of times, he's a dick when he plays football. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's just like, it's like, I love it. I love it. And then Honey Badger, he got kicked out of LSU. Uh, and, you know, so we got a lot of personality on our team. Is that the word they like to use? Instead of calling people tro- troublemakers, we got a lot of personality on our team. And personally, I don't think Buffalo has a shot. I mean, we already beat them this year in Buffalo. So, I, I mean, I'm not personally worried. What happens in Arrowhead? Huh? What happens in Arrowhead? Yeah, yeah. I'm, the, I'm, like, I'm just not. We beat a team with Chad Henning. Come on, man. We're not worried about there this. You there you go. You can't see us. No, no, but it should be fun. And if hey, if Buffalo wins, I will do my proverbial t- hat tip. You beat us at full strength because you can you can take out a running back, you can take out a wide receiver, you can take out whoever you want. We are still considered one hundred percent as long as Patrick Mahomes is their quarterback. If he's not a quarterback, we are not a hundred percent for sure. Uh, but fuck whoever was like. You should reschedule the game so Patrick Mahomes can be healthy. Fuck that. Whoever, whatever pundit said that, like, fuck off. I think that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Because yeah, there, yes. there was a pundit for, I believe, I don't remember what brand it was. I won't even say it either way. But there was a pundit that was going like, reschedule the game until he can be healthy. Fuck out of here. Uh, no, because that's not how football or any sport works. Either way. Getting into this wrestling podcast about all elite wrestling. Uh, sorry about the little tangent. I mean, it is deep in the playoffs right now for NFL, so you can understand our excitement. But we got a lot to talk about with this week's episode of AEW. And, of course, uh, if you saw our Twitter, you know that uh, we are going to have to be talking about uh, one Impact Wrestling because – we just there's been a lot of AEW stuff going on in Impact, so we gotta we gotta mention it honestly because it's it's yeah, too big well, not to mention. Like I wasn't I didn't watch Impact regularly, you know. I've been trying to keep up with it, but I don't. But this week I heard the news and I had to turn it on and I watched the whole show. Not a bad show. It's just not a good show. <laughs> it's got if there's room for improvements obviously with every wrestling show but there's definitely still like impacts really still trying to make sure they 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 find their footing and whatnot so i i've said this i i I've, I've noticed this this early this week and this is not something i said if wwe got rid of 10 percent of the roster every wrestling program would be a little better right no they're hoarding they're they are hoarders i yeah. want them on hoarders yeah because that's the whole thing. It's just like there's just not enough talent to go around. And of course, if I'm working during the pandemic and I need a job and WWE offers me a job, I'm taking it all the way. It's guaranteed money, baby. That's what it is. That's what it's about. I'm like, I can pay my bills. It doesn't matter if I'm on the show or not on the show or whatever. It's guaranteed money. So, yeah, I'm taking that WWE job. But uh, but at the same time though, it's like you got people like Powerhouse Hobbs said on the uh, unrestricted podcast for AEW about how he did a tryout for WWE, and then when he sh- and they turned him down, and then when he sh- showed up on AEW, all of a sudden they come a knocking. Like they are hoarders, 
once they realize other companies want you. Absolutely. And Powerhouse Hobbs would be in the Performance Center lifting weights and doing bumps every day, getting paid handsomely. But it's just like I said, I'm, I'm very like I just look at the roster and it's like people and they may end up using him. But this is just the name like Alistair Black. What do you think he would be in like Impact or MLW or AEW? We already, well, we already know what he was on the uh, the uh, independence. That, that's what I'm saying. But like in other major company, these other major companies, what would he do with the presentation that they have? He'd be a champion or something like that. And, you know, you're just looking at the roster, somebody like Akira Tozawa. Uh, you know, they fixed said, I, I don't have any problems with Cedric Alexander cause he's getting fixed, but you look at a lot of wrestlers that really, really know how to work and it's just, they don't get a chance to there. So again, like we, we still, we're still going to get into a lot of stuff with this episode. So real quick, before we get into everything, want to make sure that you are downloading this fine show on Google or Apple podcast. If you listen to us on Spotify, you can also share us around if you would like, we would appreciate that. Please leave a rating or review on what we can do better. If you're so inclined to, you can also leave a donation through our podcast provider, Red Circle, on social media. We are at AC Elite Pod on Twitter. Social Suplex are at Social Suplex, the guys who make this happen. I am at SZoomer4. Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. Now, quickly getting into the big news of the week. We're finally figuring out what the hell is happening with Sting. And when he's coming back into the ring, and we know he is going to get back into the ring. Uh, we found that out through this episode of Dynamite, which we will talk about later on in the show. But we at least know this man is getting back into the ring, which I know has been worrisome for a lot of fans. And a and, uh, small part me, too, honestly. Oh, like, no. Hey, you, know, you know how annoyed I've been with the Sting thing over the last few weeks. So We didn't know what the fuck was going on. Like We yeah. just had like stare-downs every single week. Yeah. It's like, what are you doing, Sting? So now we kind of know what he's doing. It made a happy Floyd. I am very happy uh, just because I feel like the storyline is progressing something out of it uh, in terms of seeing him in the ring like that's still a question mark and it's still a bit of a eh, not sure how this is gonna go but at least we know what he's doing at least right like for the for the short term like we at least know that he's doing something yeah i mean completely agree with you I, i'm like let's let's go let's let's see what he's doing but real quickly before we get into dynamite as well we have our BTE recap that we're going to be talking about, but also we're going to include Impact in that because we honestly have to with what happened on this week's episode of Impact Wrestling. Uh, you want to talk uh, BTE first? Yes. Uh, I'm not going to go in order of the show. First thing I want to say is John Silver is the most legitimate champion in professional wrestling today. The shoot champion, baby. You, you, he has to really win it. And in the most um, rigged or jerry-rigged, or I don't know. I'm trying to use a word that's not offensive. But, uh, you know, adapted game of beer pog ever. Uh, they couldn't get ping pongs. And apparently they don't have, like, assistance or whatever around there that he can run to get a couple ping pong balls. 
So PAs. Uh, hire me as a PA. I will get you all the ping pongs you want. Exactly. It's like it feels like they should. It feels like you're a professionally run billion dollar TV show. You have some grunts that'll run get you stuff. I will. I I am a forty year old man. I will be their bitch. You know, just hire me. Just put I me the biggest yeah, bitch for yeah, AEW yeah. if they hire me. Yes, just put me a hey, put me on the payroll and I'll just go fetch you stuff. I don't really care. So uh yeah, so nobody to get ping pong balls. So they play beer pong with bottle caps, which I am not I I've not seen that. Yeah, I am I I am not a big beer pong player. The closest thing to real beer pong I've played is um, when you go, they, they have a, something that's like beer pong, but it was clowns in a bucket or whatever, and it's at Dave and Buster's. And, you know, you throw the balls in there and you win tickets. So that's the closest thing to beer pong I have come to. And it's seriously, it's throwing balls in the red solo cups. It's literally beer pong, but they threw a clown on it, so it's for kids now. But, uh, yeah. So that's the closest thing I've ever played to being Pirabong. But this looked like incredibly difficult. Like trying to throw a cap into a red cup from about six feet away. Dude, if that was me and uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't have got one of the cups. So the fact that John Silver got all six cups and retained his BTE Championship of the World. I really do think he should carry the belt on the TV show because he is the most. And I think uh, Justin Roberts should announce him as the most legitimate champion in professional wrestling. <laughs> John Silver. Because it would be hilarious. Uh, but uh, John Silver can't be beat. It ain't booked this way. He's undefeated. He has the belt, so I just thought that was cool, and it hurt because he had to beat Alex Alex Reynolds for it. It hurt it really my soul. Yeah, it really hurt. Yeah. So the rest of the show, honestly, I didn't. I don't. I don't know. It didn't. It not a lot of it hit my uh, humor bell, except like the Dark Order stuff. But you had the you know the Bucks talking to. Good Brothers and Kenny, and Kenny and the Good Brothers, like, they didn't know what was happening. It was basically Don, and they had no idea what was going on. I'm like, that's not possible. You were in tights. You had your belt. Your music was cued. Huh. And it was like, the Young Bucks were kind of pointing that out, too. And they, so they lied to him, and the Young Bucks said they didn't believe him at all. And they walked off. And Kenny basically, they say, hey, you want to come hang out in our big locker room? And they said, no, we're just going to go hang out over here. So Kenny is slow. Kenny is the boyfriend that's not into his girlfriend anymore, but doesn't know how to break up with her. That's the description he can make. <laughs> He's like, I don't know how to tell you we're breaking up because we've been together so long. But... Uh, Kinda over you. I'm doing this new thing with these guys. That's what it's. That's what it seems like, and it's it's uh, it's very uh, very sad, very sad for the Bucks. Uh, this was a Matt Hardy influenced episode. Of course, this was shot before the uh, actions of Impact and 
uh, dynamite. So I only can uh, refer. I I just had to put that out there because they were really against Matt and the whole idea of cheating. And Matt Hardy says, just kind of listen to what I say, do what I say, and we're going to get where I'm going. Now, uh, I brought this up on like one of my Facebook groups, but I wanted to say it on here. Just so for my history buffs out there, for people that like to go back and watch old wrestling. So when the Hardy Boys, where they were just basically WWE jobbers, I guess WWE decided, hey, we see more in them, right? So Doc Hendricks, a.k.a. Michael P.S. Hayes, I don't remember what name he went by when he did this, started tagging up with the Hardys, and he made them be more aggressive. And they cheated, and but they won, you know? That rem- you know that reminds me of the storyline because Matt Hardy's playing you know the carniest of carnies and who's the carniest of carnies? <laughs> Michael P. S. Hayes, you know, purely sexy Hayes, and you know, and he came from that world, so it's like it's like he's managing, he's playing that Michael P. S. Hayes role in in this uh, art, uh, and you just go back and look. They just got much more aggressive. They won the tag team titles, then they lost them, and then they were like, you know, I remember Michael P.S. Hayes is like, we got to start over, we got to start grinding again, and they just kind of turned on them, I, which I see this eventually happening with Private Party, but it's just, I, I, I just like the parallels of the storyline is great, you know, and especially since it happened to Matt Hardy, and now Matt Hardy's in the veteran legends role, I, I think that's great. I don't even know if they're thinking about this, but with AEW, more than likely they are because they do callbacks like better than any other American company. So they probably are, but I just I just like the parallels of the storyline. Um, yeah. yeah, Chris Statlander uh, abducted uh, abducted Brian Pillman Jr. I, I I don't get. I know this is supposed to be funny. Doesn't hit with me. Uh, that I can see her somewhere. I wish uh, she was hold on. More. Uh, okay, you were cutting out. What did you say? I wish she was on Dynamite more. I'm happy to see her though. Uh, yeah, her knee is. She's still six months from wrestling. So yeah, she tore like three different ligaments. She said, "How healthy she was." Yeah, she said. She started walking in October, and she's like, yeah, you see me walking, but, you know, there's a difference. And she's like, next June. Uh, June is, like, the likely comeback. And, of course, she goes to to, uh, Jacksonville, and she's there around for the taping. So that's good that she's staying involved and being in the program. And, you know, I think she'll come back. you know, full strength, and because yeah, I think she had a nice fan base before, and then yeah. she got injured. So uh, shout out to her. Uh, the Dark Order was talking about Hangman's again. This was shot before Dynamite, talking about Hangman's uh, celebration and things they were gonna do for him. And uh, apparently, Alex Reynolds got him uh, got her uh, Atlantic. Mermaid got the hangman Atlantic Mermaid. Apparently, he said he got him a mermaid. And Evil Uno disrespected Alex Reynolds by saying, "Did you get a Pacific uh, Mermaid or Atlantic Mermaid?" And apparently, I've learned today that 
saying a Pacific mermaid, you know, is disparaging. It's not then we don't mess with Pacific mermaids, only Atlantic. And then Hangman came in there and they were planning his surprise, so they kicked him out. Uh they asked Anna J what she had. She's like, I got nothing. And yeah, it was pretty funny. I just know uh Cole uh Cole Cabana is me. He's the me of the party. When there's a party, I always say I'll bring the cups and drinks. I'll I'll bring the utensils. That's just always me because it's simple. You can't really mess it up. And personally, I like a healthier plate. You know, people tend to buy like the big hundred pack or 200 pack of plates and they're kind of flimsy. I like to buy like a 50 pack of plates that got a little more heftiness to it. So, you know, you can continue to use the plate if you want to. I don't know. It's weird. I don't know. I don't even know if you've ever even thought about that, uh, Austin. Not probably not. Yeah, but you go to a party and they got the really thin plates and you can't even put any food on it because it starts bending. So no, I want the healthy Chinex plates. That's the brand that I use, and I want the healthy plates. So uh, anyway, huh? As it anyway. Yeah, I was moving on. I was moving on. <laughs> so that that was the Dark Order thing. And then, of course, they, they had the show. Uh, and then uh, Young Bucks find out they got screwed over on their room by Matt Hardy, uh, which everybody and their mom saw that coming. And I guess they have to pay him weekly for the room instead of monthly or whatever. It wasn't a one-time fee. He was screwing them over. They should have read the fine print. I, I love this version of Matt Hardy. Like, I love Broken Matt Hardy. I love Big Money Matt. I, I, I love the different versions of Matt Hardy. But this Carney... It's Broken Matt Hardy, but he's playing more of the Carney role. It's kind of the best to me. It's just... It's funny. Because... It's just every story you've ever heard in wrestling about people getting screwed over. It's pretty much in this in this angle. I think I covered everything from the show. Did I miss anything? I don't think you missed anything. Yeah, because I, I didn't do it in the traditional order because I'd rather, you know, talk about the stuff I like first and then go into other stuff. Uh, next. Uh, next is... Um, the uh, the report from Impact, and it was simple. The, uh, um, we had in the ring the World Tag Team Champions, Good Brothers, Impact World Tag Team Champions, Good Brothers, and they had Chris Saban, and because he had to miss the last TV tapings, they had the Cowboy, the legend, Impact, probably Hall of Famer if he's not. Uh, you had James Storm in the ring. So it was, uh, it was James Storm, and uh, Chris Saban, and they were talking about trying to win the tag team belts. And then all of a sudden, you hear Matt Hardy's music, and he comes out with Private Party. Now, small, small concern. I don't know. And you probably didn't watch Impact. But it came out to Matt Hardy, but Isaiah Cassidy came out dancing like it was his music. Like, even to the same, like, rhythm. And it's like, uh, yeah. I was like, uh, okay, you fix that. You got to fix that, brother. But they came out. They challenged. Uh, they challenged. Um, they got in a match, and they challenged, and they're fighting uh, Chris Saban and James Storm to be the number one contenders for the Impact Tag Team titles. That was the main event. There was more of the 
more of the paid advertisements from Tony Khan saying he's going to he's like, I'm going to come in and pay you ahead of time in cash so I can watch my team and uh, in, in the main event. So Tony Khan was coming for the main event. So um, no Kenny Omega this him, him and, week. Yeah, him and Jerry Lynn were ringside for the main event. Yes, I was going to say uh, no Kenny Omega this week, just for people that are concerned. But in the main event, it was uh, Chris Saban and James Storm versus Private Party. Jerry Lynn came out and Tony Khan. And the thing that got over, and I would have never noticed if it wasn't for the internet and zooming in on video, Tony Khan had a Captain Star Trek Captain's Log. And he was taking notes in it. Oh, good. It was so good. I would have never, ever noticed that in a million years. I was hilarious. He is the captain of AEW. And apparently, when he's on Impact, he is a heel. You know, like Don Callis, when he's on Impact, you know, he's a heel. And on AEW, he's a heel. But Tony, when he's on Impact, he's a heel. But when he's on AEW, he's, he's a face. So it's kind of it's kind of cool, and he basically, huh? Yeah. So he he uh literally just cuts down impact anytime he can, takes shots at him. So Jerry Lynn uh interfered in the match and helped Private Party uh finish off. Uh, I believe they pinned uh Chris Saban uh to get the win, and they are your new number one contenders for the Impact title. They have not announced when the championship is, but they won. And in earlier in the night on uh, Dark, they won another match. They, they, I mean, it's a dark match. I don't remember who they wrestled. They won it. Uh, so, so they were 2-0 and on Tuesday and 2-0 and in their first two matches under Matt Hardy's business representation. Because when they were Hardy Party, they were just friends. He was a mentor. Now it's a business relationship and currently undefeated in the business relationship as far as 2-0 on Tuesday. But that is your Impact Report every week. I, I mean, I'm going to keep paying attention to Impact. And if they have something AEW related, I will make sure to cover it on the show. I'm really enjoying the the partnership that's been going on with Impact and AEW, and I just hope that um, I, I just hope more uh, like wrestlers jump from both sides. Just because I want it makes the shows both shows so much more entertaining. Just because like there's a real like who's gonna show up this week kind of vibe to it. I honestly think that it, it just works really well for both shows, and I don't see how neither company doesn't benefit for it like every both companies benefit from sharing the stars like this because it's just exposure for both companies yes i am very happy uh i'm very happy for that too uh there is a specific thing that's going to be announced we'll cover in a moment that i am hoping we get a lot of impact representation for yeah now we can get into aw dynamite for this week um which kicked off with negative one, Brody Lee Jr.'s birthday celebration, which I must say, I forgot to tell Floyd this last week. Uh, my birthday was January 17th, Sunday. I do share a birthday with Brody Lee Jr. Uh, I didn't really say anything about it. I forgot to mention it to Floyd, and he was like, we should have said something. I was just like, I just kind of, I don't know. I just didn't say anything. But so it was we, Brody Lee celebration. So we shall dub you negative dose. 
guess, too. I guess yes, yes, because I I share the birthday with Brody. I share the birthday with a lot of people, but I thought that was really cool. Honestly, like I was just I saw that it was also his birthday, and that really made me smile. Um, but uh, John Silver got the entire Daily's place to sing Happy Birthday to Negative One, and then got interrupted by Luther and Serpentico, everyone's favorite Chaos Project. And they went after and was just being like, no one cares. We don't like negative one. We're going to ruin your birthday party. Then a brawl happens. Hangman Page then jumps out. And TH2 then come out. And sorry, my nose is really stuffy right now. I've been kind of sick recently. But this then turned into a massive tag match to start off the show. Hangman Adam Page teamed with Alex Reynolds, Cole Cabana, and John Silver to face TH2 and Chaos Project in an eight-man tag match to start off the show. And then this would be where we found out afterwards if Hangman Adam Page was going to be joining the Dark Order. Match itself was pretty good. It was built around uh, the whole thing that happened at the beginning of the show with uh, Negative One's birthday. The best spot was when you once again got to see Negative One use a kendo stick, and it was just... Like he's, I'm so happy he's doing. He seems to be doing okay, and he's having. AEW is letting him have fun. He nailed Luther with a kendo stick, and then also Luther then just went face first into his cake. Hang the 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 finish, like the teamwork between Reynolds, Silver, and Hangman was just phenomenal, and the finish that they pulled off when they pinned Serpentico worked really really well. And also, uh, negative one then slaps. Serpentico with the wad of papers. I'm so glad they gave him that. And then it was like, my birthday was three days ago, you idiots. And then proceeded to hit, um, I believe, I can't remember which member of the Dark Order. He hit someone with a wad of papers, but he just was so good of how he's using that. But then when he asked John Silver after just going on and on about how much a hangman's awesome, he's so cool, he's so cool, got on one knee, asked if he would join the Dark Order. Hangman says no, and then they're just like, he said yes! Uh, stuff appeared on the Titan Tron, and Celebrations Confetti showed up, and it was so perfectly timed with the spot. It was one of the funniest things of the show. And he's like, I've done the group thing before. It didn't end well for me. I'm sorry. And he walks off, and Dark Order is just crushed. And, and I mean, it makes sense why he said no, and honestly, that that moment was one of the funniest parts of the show, where they were just like, so sure that he was going to say yes, but then proceeds to say no, and then they get caught with their pants around their ankles. They had, that itself was all right. They had the other evil, like, Unos are coming out to the ring. I mean, it was straight. It was like a parade was going to happen. It was straight out of a sitcom, and it was perfect. Oh, the comic timing. A lot of times in wrestling, I always say, I mean, uh, I've had this conversation with friends. Like, wrestling's versions of everything is like a step under your regular versions. This was right on par with any comedy segment from any TV show because they played it right. The expression was right. The timing was right. The heartbreak look on John Silver's face when Hangman walks away. Hangman didn't want to say no. But he just like couldn't tie himself down to a group. And he walked around. He had the right expression. Everybody in the Dark Order is just kind of staring at each other like, what? I thought we had him. And it was it was brilliant. I thought this segment was amazing. A-plus segment. Uh, even, I mean, like, 
even with the evil and old stuff you talking about from the birthday celebration through the match to Hangman Sando, that was a perfect segment. Like, uh, apparently, like eight hundred and forty thousand people watched the show. If anybody new watched it, and it's like you know, some people don't watch wrestling for the in-ring action and physical action of it. This was the perfect introduction to AEW because it was soap opera. It was a little circus there, and there. Then there was a pretty good, pretty good to good wrestling match in there too. So it was like this is everything AEW has to offer in one segment. It worked. It worked well. It had a good through along. There wasn't a point in this in this area where things dragged. Strong, and then the whole segments, everything went around it was really, really good. Um, so yeah, really good way to start off the show. And then out what the hell was happening with Sting? TNT Champion Darby Allen and Sting got into the ring with Tony Schiavone, and and we got to hear from Sting once again say that there's something that reminds me about uh, reminds me about me in you, Dude. and he likes it. Pause for just a sec before you continue. At this point, I rolled my eyes so hard, dude. I looked like the Undertaker. I was so annoyed. I was like, "We're gonna do this again." I was like, "There's something familiar. <laughs> I can't put my finger on it." I was like, "Didn't they do this already? Didn't he say this yeah, about no. Darby Allen?" I was like, "Come on, give us something." And then they did continue. <laughs> he did say the reason why he was there for the TNT Championship match. He wanted to make sure he had a fair fight. He quickly got interrupted by Team Taz, saying how they were cheaters, they fight dirty, um, you're like street fighters, but I grew up in the streets, and I say we take it to the streets, and they want a street fight with uh, both of them, and Darby goes, you want to take it to the streets, Team Taz? Be careful what you wish for, because it just might happen, and it seems like Sting and Darby Allen will be facing Team Taz in a street fight. So, from what I understand, Sting has limitations. I'm not going to go into what they are because I want you to be surprised when you watch the show. But this will probably be uh, a cinematic match. Safeway, when they brought back Sean, back in like Sean Michaels, with uh, when he came back from his very long time off when he had injuries and all that kind of stuff. He worked with Triple H in a hardcore match to be really safe. And he also worked with Vince at one point. Um, it seems like they're kind of trying to do something along the lines of that, but it'll, like you said, probably be cinematic. They made it hardcore so he doesn't have to work in-ring stuff too much. They can just do the, the weapon spots. And I mean, it, make, it makes sense, honestly. We, last time we saw Sting, he didn't look great. And we, we know that he's getting around. Like I said, he's getting old. So we just need to feel it out. The thing with Sting, uh, the thing with Sting is I can handle Undertaker. I can handle Sean. I can't handle Bret Hart. Where Bret Hart couldn't bump, and it was very obvious he couldn't bump. So all his matches were one-sided and him just putting someone in the sharpshooter. I can't handle that. It's just it's not entertaining to me. Get mad. I mean, who people can hate me or whatever. That's not entertaining. I know it's what's safest, but it's not entertaining. And my point when I watch wrestling is to be entertained. But if, like I said, if he sh- 
like Sean and all that stuff, and he can take the occasional bump or he falls on his stomach or whatever he do. Even if they put a crash pad down and then, you know, you get to the scene and then you see him on the ground. That works too. Whatever you want to do, it's just you have to it has to look like both sides has the chance. Uh, I It's funny. I, and you might say, hey, Floyd's dwelling on this. Dude, I watched WWE SmackDown tonight, and I watched their intergender matches, and it's just, God, it's just painful to watch. So it's just one of those things I don't want to see. And it, again, I, I want to clarify, I like WWE. It's just to me, if you don't want to do an intergender match, don't do an intergender match. Don't go halfway. It's just with with Sting. It's gotta be. It's gotta be like to the point where it's like, drag him out there if he can't physically do what's required of him to be a wrestler on TV. So and, and, mean, he, and he's sixty something. He shouldn't be doing real wrestling. I don't want him to bump and die. I don't. I'm just like, if you can't do it, don't do it. <laughs> so that's it. I love Sting. You I was can easily, you can easily, yeah. Sorry, you can easily put him in where Jake Roberts is doing right now. Honestly, like, yeah, that'd, that'd be fine. Yeah, I was a little stinger. My first wrestling figure that I remember being bought for me. Other figures were acquired in different ways. But the first wrestling figure I ever being bought for me is my friend. My brother bought me a Sting figure. So I really do love Sting. He's a big part of my history in wrestling. It's just. Just like in sports, you know, I don't want Peyton Manning playing till he's 45. I don't want Patrick Mahomes playing till he's 50. You, There is a number where it, you can play at your level and it not embarrass your legacy. And that's all I want from Snake. I want him to be able to do this, look good, and kind of be at least the shadow of this thing that I remember. Yeah. You really need from him. But at least we got something with Sting. Because we hadn't gotten that for weeks. So we got something at least, which is good. Um, then, honestly, this is another one of my favorite parts of the show, was the, the footage shot of Young Bucks going to speak with Kenny Omega, arriving to uh, his house and being greeted by Nakazawa, but then also being greeted by uh, Don Callis and that that painting, yeah, that that was a that was a thing, and uh, I I can't unsee that. I just can't. And the interaction between Don Callis and the Young Bucks was unbelievably entertaining. They just the way that you can just see Kenny just being pulled away from his best friends, and now all of a sudden he's got like it's just gotten to his head, and he's like, Kenny's not here. He can't speak to you. Don Cal's pretty much trying to bribe the Young Bucks to stop trying to be around Kenny and then just proceeding to, like, they cut off before the Young Bucks got their hands on Don Cal's, but you can imagine that they tried to get their hands on him when the cameras cut. But this is really good. Honestly, Young Bucks did really well in this segment. Don Callis is just such a piece of shit. It's amazing. He does such a good job. Like, like, Floyd said before, uh, reminds him a lot of Paul Heyman in the sense, but it, he does his own thing and he does it really, really well. And yeah, it's I, Don and Kenny quickly becoming uh, one of my favorite things in AEW and Impact Wrestling for that matter. I completely agree. 
you watch Paul Heyman. Uh, I watched Paul Heyman tonight because we are recording on Friday night. And I watched Paul Heyman tonight, and it's just they do the same thing different ways. They're like they are the Coke and Pepsi of wrestling uh, wrestling managers, and it's just like. They're both amazing, but they're amazing in different ways. So I, I, I really just love uh, what Callis brings to it. I think he adds a character to AEW that has kind of been missing. It's like, so it's like, because Taz is, Jake the Snake is the psychological heel manager. You know, he can barely control his monster. I get it. You know, uh, Arn Anderson, Tully Blanchard, they're the strategists. You know, they, Garn Anderson comes out with his playbook. Tully's always whispering in his guy's ear. Uh, you know, the big money Matt, you know, his, his big money Matt thing. But the swarmy, manipulative chess player, that is what a Don Callis brings. And it's completely different. And I love it. Because, like, literally, it's hard to hate Kenny. Right, he's a fantastic wrestler. He's charismatic. He loves video games. He loves comic books. He's a geek, you know, and he's a freaking athlete. And he's one of the best wrestlers in the world. So you, you on his own, it's pretty much impossible to hate Kenny. But Don Callis makes you hate Kenny a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. And like, you like, I don't know what this feeling is because I'm not used to feeling it towards Kenny. But I kind of hate him. <laughs> so it's amazing what Dallas Callis can do. Because, like I said, are easily the best wrestler in the world. Don Callis kind of makes you hate him. And that, that should be a work of art. Because if you ask me who's the one. You know, I know he has his polarizing fans that say he can't wrestle. Which, I, you know, I kind of dismiss those people. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I just kind of dismiss those people. I really don't pay attention to them. But Kenny Omega is one of the best, if not best wrestlers in the world. And, you know, so you just love him for that. And then Don Callis kind of makes you hate everything else about him. So that uh, that's what I had to say about him. But now, 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 now. American Nightmare Cody versus Pretty Peter Avalon. I... Really want to hear Floyd's thoughts on this first before I say anything. So, Floyd, your thoughts on Cody this week on Dynamite. So, I have to understand that I just don't like where Cody is. And I'm not going to dwell on it because I went over, over there last week. But this pretty, 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 pretty Avalon thing, to me, was a dark match. That shouldn't have been on Dynamite at all. Uh, I mean, honestly, this is a dark opener. It's not even a dark main event. Um, the match happened. I love seeing Cody. Wish they would turn his entrance back to his original entrance. Jay Cargill, I'm sick of. I, I, I have no desire to see the Shaq match. So my favorite wrestler, the guy that I generally get most excited to see, they have made me not excited to see him. Yeah, I... <sighs> To say honestly, like, <laughs> just, build, yeah, it's like they they announced the segment. Not exciting at all. They announced the segment last week. I didn't even retweet it because we're going to talk about it. But I, you, you've gotten my hopes up so many weeks that I just want you to do something. And if this is leading to Cody versus Shaq at Revolution, it's going to happen whether I want it to or not. 
they've probably already paid Shaq, so it's going to happen. So, or if it, I mean, end up leading to something cooler. Even I'll say it didn't have to, even if it ends up leading to something amazing, I don't think he had to go to this low that it is right now. Because right now it's just like Cody's not doing anything. And it's just like there's so much talent on the roster, so many wrestlers on the roster. He could be wrestling other people. He doesn't. He could be. Peter Pretty Peter Avalon isn't the only isn't only people that they've got. So it's just like I don't know. I like I said I don't. I don't. It's like seriously, if you ask me about this two hour show, only segment I didn't like. So I'm gonna stop talking about it because there's no reason to dwell on it. Yeah, there really is no reason to dwell on this segment. It happened, and what we think about where Cody should be is just, yeah, it's just not. We don't. It doesn't align. So, but we can talk about FTR's segment, which happened next with Jurassic Express and Jungle Boy. Uh, said to FTR, uh, "You guys might be the best in the world at being in there, and well, me being in there with you last week taught me something." taught me I could beat any one of you and Luchasaurus uh, then proceeded to say how he'll be ringside to make sure no one gets involved and yeah Dax Harwood was like okay and then proceeded to throw uh, his glass at the door just completely anger induced and I yeah I this out of this with uh, FTR considering what we got with hit them in Jurassic Express with Marco Stunt wasn't necessarily uh, a match that would provide of anything that would be hard to guess where the match would go. This actually could be really, really interesting. Yeah, and the fact that Dax sold that he really... I mean, they're very clear that they don't like being in singles wrestlers. They are a tag team. So the fact that he had... That, that's where the anger came from is that, you know, he got sucked. He got kind of talked into a tag team match. I love the confidence from Jungle Boy. His character is evolving you know, I you know he talks. I love the confidence from uh, Jungle Boy, but yeah, I think I I potentially think uh, him and Dax could uh, be a those show stealer next week. I I I think it's gonna open the show because they do generally like to open the show with really good wrestling matches. So I think it'll be them, and I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah. I. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I just like it's going to be pretty dope. Yeah, John Moxley versus Nick. Oh God, I, I'm Camarado. Sure butcher his name again, Camarado. Yeah, yep. I always am afraid I'm going to butcher his name. Uh, his dynamite debut for this show. Um, and QT and Dustin, and it was just a match for John Moxley to quickly get a win. And it didn't go too long. Um, Like, he seemed okay from what I saw. We didn't see a ton of him, uh, but it seemed okay from what he was trying to get across. But honestly, this match was there just for Moxley to cut that hellacious promo after the match, which was pretty much, like, it literally finished up, bring whoever you want from Nashville, Mexico, Japan, all roads in wrestling lead through me. And fuck yes. Like, that's such a great line. Uh, in that promo, and he's very much making it making it known. It doesn't matter how many friends or how many people he gets, Kenny Omega gets with, uh, you're gonna have to fight me, and you're not going to survive. 
Yeah, I, I like this because it's probably setting up someone from Impact, one of the bigger guys, to come and lose to John Moxley. You know, that's probably yes. what it's setting up next week, and that makes me very, very happy. Uh, like I said, the more this partnership goes, uh, yeah, the further this partnership goes, the more I'm into it. Just because I think Don Callis is a wrestling genius. I think you know, I think Kenny Omega, you know. Uh, Cody Rhodes, you know, all the people that put together the show, I have very confidence that they know how to entertain me. So them working together is only going to provide more entertaining wrestling. We uh, had Kenny Omega make a small appearance. Uh, he, uh, Alex Marvez was like, any comments you want to make today about what happened? And he said, no comment. Don Callis, uh, had a black eye that he was hiding. So we know that the young bucks got their hands on Don Callis when the cameras cut and Kenny Omega made sure made him take off the glasses to show it. And he's, uh, show him like, why are you wearing glasses? What's, what's going on? And he sees the black eye and he's furious about it. So it'll build to what we'll see next week with Kenny Omega and the young bucks. I'm sure we then got into the development of Hardy party, Matt Hardy and private party teaming to face, Matt Seidel on top flight. This is where we see into Matt Hardy. And we see them finally win dirty with uh, Isaiah Cassidy using a chair uh, in the, while the referee's back is turned. And Mark went first like, what the fuck are you doing? But then it's like, yeah, this is what we're doing. And then they get the win via that shenanigan. And Matt Hardy gives a nod after top flight gets in their face. Yeah. Beat the shit out of them. And yeah, Hardy party fully heal. All three members of them. seems Matt Hardy have finally got his words through to private party. And they are, they yeah. are fully bought in. You get me three, you get me two wins in one night and get me a third win on the, uh, the next night in 24 hours. I think I'd buy in a turn hill too. And it's just like, he's already getting 30% of their money. And 50% of the third-party stuff. He's already getting that from him. So, hey, you might as well go full hardy so when it doesn't work, you can beat the crap out of him. That's really good. I The team of Seidel and Top Flight was one I was not expecting, um, but they did work well together. Obviously, all three of those guys are really high flyers, but they did really well together. I know Matt Seidel's still kind of like floating as to like what the hell do you have for him. Um, I, I, like I said, we were all going towards the minds of like maybe Matt Seidel turns heel on Cody. That would be the segment that we would prefer maybe a little bit more than what's happening with Cody right now. So uh, I guess we'll just see him float around and stuff. I would like to see private party, you know, when they work heel, this was the heel turn. So their match was still basically faced through the match. I want to see them when they actually turn heel and how their wrestling style changes. But this match, it's like you had two fast-paced teams. I don't know if they've ever worked together. I doubt it. And you could kind of tell in the middle where, you know, they do a lot. They both do a lot of shit. And they do a complicated shit. Very athletic shit. The problem is the the level, the, uh, you know, uh, there's a lot of points of failure in it. You know, like, so it's like, okay. You know, in the Olympics, you know, they they got a 10 routine, you know, and they, they pulled a couple sevens in there. You know what I mean? It wasn't like it wasn't as crisp as you would like. 
But the great thing is these both these teams are young, and you get to watch them grow together over the next four or five years. It's only going to get better. Yeah, honestly. With MJF and Wardlow going into the Inner Circle's uh, dressing room about the whole match that was happening in the main event. Uh, the only thing that I really took out of this was that MJF tried to get a fist pump from Sammy Guevara, and he was like, we're not there yet. So that's the only thing really from there leading into the match. But I just want to point that out. We then had legit Layla Hirsch versus Penelope Ford in the one women's match that was on the show. Once again, we're still only on that. but And this match was honestly there more so because we got to see the appearance of the best man, Miro, and his butler, Charles Taylor. And he clearly just, like, the soul sucked out of him with that it, whole it, segment. It, it kind of, they combined two segments. So this was supposed to be Nyla versus Layla Hirsch. Nyla Rose versus yeah. Layla Hirsch. Nyla was exposed to COVID. She didn't get it yet but or anything, but she was around a family member that had COVID. So she had to pull herself out of the show. So they were like, okay, we're going to put Penelope in there, and this is where AEW is great. So they put together Penelope in the match, and then they combined it with the Rusev Butler segment. It was kind of it was kind of brilliant. It was a good move at uh, uh, under short notice, definitely, to make sure that you got the most of like the match that you had already advertised, but at the same time, continuing the segments uh, as scheduled. Yes, and there and, and I know this was the only match, but there was that two. It was about two minutes build up to the Britt Baker Thunder Rosa match. Oh yeah. In the middle of the show. So it's like you kind of have to count that as a segment too. Because when is the last time a women's match been built like this in AEW? That's true. That is true. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, I'm just I'm just trying to play kind of devil's advocate, you know, trying to, you know, they're trying. <laughs> they're trying. We've always known they've been trying with the women and they are succeeding in some aspects, but it's just it's been a while is this uh, a, since we've seen a ton. Okay, yeah. So back to this segment. Uh yeah. Going into the, the match itself was pretty strong. Um, Layla had a really good deadlift, uh, deadlift suplex that I really liked, the German suplex. Um, and we then saw the finish was kind of weird where uh, Penelope got a win because uh, Layla's ankle was held down. It seemed like he was trying to pull Layla's ankle to the ropes. Even the commentators were a little bit confused as to what was the, the plan really for Kip on that spot. Uh, it was okay, but it seemed kind of a little bit like, eh, I'm not sure. If it was more so like he, she tried to reach for the ropes, but he was pulling it away, that would have probably made a lot more sense. Uh, like if she tried to get her foot on the ropes to stop the count, that would have made sense, but she didn't. Uh, bit nitpicky, I guess, but it's honestly something I noticed. But we then had uh, Miro with his butler as Orange Cassidy was watching this match from the crowd. He forced... Charles Taylor, Chuck Taylor, to tell Orange Cassidy that Miro was his best friend now. And reluctantly, he said it. Orange Cassidy's just like, ugh. And that he just kind of just got up and walked away and was just really, you could see in his eyes, he was hurt by this. And just, you can imagine the he, heat that he's going to want to get. Yeah, it was like he was hurt that his friend had to go through that. You know, that kind of oh, thing. Yeah. Like, he was more so like, oh, my God, he really isn't my best friend anymore. He's like, my friend's getting embarrassed. It's like, it just feels terrible for him. That's hilarious. 
Yeah. It's 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 really funny how they're really building this feud between Miro and uh, and Orange Cassidy and how his best friends are just being completely messed with and. It's working well, honestly. I they're think doing Miro's such doing a, a really good job. They're doing such a guy a good job. Of being, I know they revolutions. They keep they you know they have a they're not like uh, NXT where it's like it's only going to be five matches. But they try to do six to eight just and they're trying to make sure they're quality. I could see this match being the main event of a dynamite instead of oh, yeah. on Revolution. I do, I do agree with that. And this match has the hype. I feel like where main events on a dynamite, but on a on a re- revolution with how much big matches they produce, it would be more mid tier. Yeah, because if you think about the revolution, they're gonna do that show, and it's gonna be an amazing show. But they're gonna need a main event for Wednesday. Bam, <laughs> Orange Cassidy and Rusev closing the show on the Wednesday dynamite after. I yeah, and see, I totally can see that. Yeah. A small moment where the good brothers, Carl Anderson and Doc Gallows from Impact, proceeded to uh, attack Penta Ezio Miedo. Uh Kenny Omega was also in on this attack, beating him up. He uh, took his boot and stuck it into Penta's eye. Don't make this into an eye for an eye match. Just going to say outright. I know they won't, but I'm just saying up top, don't do that. We've, we don't need to see that again. Uh, and then we went into the main event, the Inner Circle triple tag team match. Which was a lot, lot of fun, and it, like, I can't call every spot because there were so many near falls for this match overall. Uh, and they, like, my, uh, like, honestly, the one thing I just loved was how much of a powerhouse Hager was. Honestly, I really liked Sam- like Sammy Guevara came out looking like a star in that match. Clearly, fans really wanted uh, Hager and Sammy to win this match. I feel like, uh, but MJF was the one who got the, the, the sneaky win by pulling the tights. And you could see that the even though throughout the whole show they're like Inner Circle will come out stronger for this. Inner Circle will be still cool with everybody. These guys are not going to be hundred uh, uh, percent on the same page going into next week. But really great main event to finish off the show. Uh, I'm so glad that Sam is getting the recognition that uh, he's seeming to be getting from the crowd. Uh, really like that because I think he could be the best from a big break off from the inner circle yeah i mean and that's that's what factions are for uh rick flair once explained he's like if you got a healthy faction it should be used to push one of your main guys to a higher level and to you know have two stars come out i have a star come out of it that's why he said evolution is like one of the greatest factions of all time you know the horsemen were the original but if you look at what they did right you know, Triple H was already a main eventer. They elevated his heel status. And then they got two more WrestleMania main eventers out of that faction. And Batista and Randy Orton, who went on to have Hall of Fame careers of their own. So it's just like, if you look at the team, with the uh, inner circle, if we end up with, uh, you know, Chris Jericho was a champion. If we end up with Sammy Guevara being a star as a face, MJF being a world champion, Proud and powerful, eventually being AEW tag team champions. Man, that's a pretty successful faction. Yeah. So I was just that was just a thought process that I had. But yeah, I I and MJF. In all honesty, he would not be the heel in this situation because just like he looked Chris Jericho in the eye and told him before their match, "I will do anything to win." 
That is the MJF way. He's upfront about it. He looks you in the eye, even though he's a heel and he's an asshole. He's very honest about being a heel and an asshole. And guess what he did to Sammy? He loves it. Yeah. Huh? I think he loves reveling in being like, I'm going to beat the shit out of you and it's not going to be clean whatsoever. And yeah. He- Will do, and, he'll, and he does it straight in your face, straight, straight up. Yeah. So when he beat Sammy like that, if Sammy comes back and argues, like, dude, I told you I'll do Did anything. You think to was gonna happen? Yeah, I, I told you I'll do anything to win. You're the one with the problem here. It's like you should have been prepared for it, you know, because I told you I'm gonna do anything to win. So no, I really enjoyed this main event. Uh, I thought it was gonna suck. Let me let me be honest. I was not excited for it. And then they just went in there and kicked ass. And I don't know why. I don't know why I had that thought. Because you got Sammy Guevara. You got Santana. You got Ortiz. Uh, you know, you got Jake Hager, who's when he's in there with other people that are good, he can be great. And then Chris Jericho, one of the greatest all time in MJF. Great performer. Uh, I've heard the narrative because Chris Jericho tried to do a line salt and everybody's like he broke his neck if you watched it because i went back and watched it he had his hands up the whole time his hair hit the mat not his head now yeah could it have been worse yes but that dude's done that move so many times do you think that's the first time he got a bow bounce off the rope you think that's the first time in 30 year career that he got a bounce off the second rope no because that's all that happened. It's not that he wasn't athletic enough to do it. Somebody no, kind of got a good bounce, yeah. yeah, he didn't get a good bounce off the second rope. It is what it is. Probably won't ever happen again if he does the move. Like I said, I probably would retire the move. But you know what? 20-year-old Floyd couldn't do that. <laughs> Let alone be 50-year-old. So I'm never going to tell a man that's in better shape than me what he can pull off. <laughs> there you go. But that was Dynamite for this week. Um, relatively, like, not a ton of huge things happened, I feel like, that would be like, oh, my God. But there was a lot of really strong stuff. He Finally getting something with Sting was something we've been begging for. The fact that we actually have something going forward with him is great. We needed to learn more about what Sting was going to do. Um, the Inner Circle main event was great. Uh, obviously, the, pro- the segment with Negative uh, One and his birthday was wonderful. Uh, really, really strong show. Nothing like, nothing like huge that like carried the show by itself, but it was still unbelievably strong. I feel like that makes sense. Yeah, I think that's my computer make a vibrating noise. It feels like it wants to explode. It sounds like it's not my laptop. It's my work computer. Uh, let me tell my friend that this is happening. Uh. That does not sound good. Yes, uh, that is doesn't sound good at all. Okay. As soon as I typed, it went away. It, it, it just needed me to do something. Into uh, the preview for next week's Dynamite. And uh, we got a lot of stuff to talk about for, Dyn- for next week's Dynamite. There's a ton of stuff you can see. We have Cody talking about Shaq, which, I mean, we've already said, not a huge fan of where this is going, but, I mean, can't do much about it. We have Hangman versus Ryan Nemeth. Uh, I can't. I don't even know what to say about that. Floyd, can you inform me, please? I'm that, totally blind. That, that is Dolph Ziggler's brother. Dolph, Dolph Ziggler's real real name is Nick Nemeth, and that is his brother Ryan, who was with the uh, WWE development for like three or four years. So yeah, I mean, he's wrestled before. Familiar name. I guess they decided to give him a tryout. 
I didn't know that. Thank you. Thank you for informing me on that. Uh, we have Jericho and MJF versus the Varsity Blondes. We said uh, Jericho, once again, tag team whore. We're just bouncing around and just we're going to see them face the Varsity Blondes. Britt Baker is getting a match versus Shanna. That's hey, hard. I think that's going to be a pretty good match. Yeah, I think Britt Baker versus Shauna. Yeah, Shauna's been back and been in America for a while, so they've probably been working together. I expect a quality match. I as well. And we also have the, like I said, the singles match between Dark Star- Dax Harwood and Jungle Boy. Eddie Kingston's facing Lance Archer. I am mega hyped for that, honestly. Yeah, it's just going to be, it's basically going to be a New Japan never open weight match. They're just going to beat the shit out of each other for like 10 minutes. No kidding. And then we're also going to get uh, Young Bucks and the Good Brothers. Begrudgingly, they're going to be teaming to face the Dark Order, Uno, Grayson, Silver, and Reynolds. Uh, I'm going to make a small prediction. I don't think they're going to get along very well. I don't think they're getting along, but just because AEW is so good at this, I don't think you get either any physical contact between them. Maybe like a push or something, but I don't think they get the breakout brawl. I feel like yeah yeah so uh yeah i'm looking forward to that dark order needs to start winning i want to make that very clear i don't know if they win this match but they need to start winning i think they're one they're the hottest faction in the company right now um you know build on that momentum i think they need to start winning it uh now um yeah uh, a couple of the other things i was going to bring up it looks like uh revolution is getting pushed back to march 7th that was reported by dave melter um, it looks like because Jake or Logan, whatever the Pauls from YouTube, I am not up on YouTube <sighs> celebrities, but Logan Paul, yeah, yeah, one of them is going to be in a fight that they are planning a fight for that weekend. So you know, AEW really does like to pick weekends where nothing else is going on, so people decide to you know watch a wrestling show. So uh, if you're making plans to be in Jacksonville, like I was. Probably need to cancel those and adjust. And Series 4 from the AEW. Uh, what What is the company? Jazzwares and AEW. Series 4 came out. Yeah, in Series 4 is Santana Ortiz, Cody, Kenny Omega. I'm missing two. Do you know the two? Huh? Sammy Guevara. One. Yeah, Sammy Guevara and... Let me go to my pending orders because <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> I already have them all. Yes, uh, I already got them. And then, you know, it's like it's not it's just I was I am at the point where I'm not going to do it anymore. Uh, Matt Hardy was the sixth person. Oh, OK, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah uh, I was going to try to collect all the AEW figures. But from what I'm understanding, not only are they uh, not only. Are they going to have one of these series? They're doing a different series or figures, and they're basically going to be coming out alternating months. They're like $150 for a series. I'm not really, I'm like, I'm not that committed. So, I mean, I I, I knew I was getting this one because of Santana Ortiz, and then they had Cody. So I was going to get three of the six anyway. So it's like, hey, might as well get the pack. But in the future, I'll grab the Sammy one. Uh, in the future, I probably won't be buying, you know, all of them anymore. But I will like when they, they come out. It's so funny. It's so random. Ringside puts their uh, pre-sale. They literally put them out at Wednesday at three oh one. I get the email. Oh, pre-orders available. So I'll go to order it. Sold out. 
So I got like on the fourth or fifth pre-order for it. But it is what it is. I just want to throw this information. I am trying to cover all things elite if possible. So when I have news, I want to let you know. Totally. Yeah. About, but that'll do it. I think for all things elite this, this week, uh, thank you guys so much for joining us on this episode. Remember if you're listening to us on Google or Apple podcasts, be sure to download the show. If you're listening on any place you can listen to on podcasts, uh, please share the show with your friends. We would really appreciate that. Uh, you can leave a rating and review on what we can do better and what we should do and what you think of us. You can also leave a donation through Red Circle if you would like. We'd be mega appreciative of that. We are at AT Elite Pod on Twitter. At Social Suplex are the guys that make this possible. I am at SZoomer4. Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. All of that is on Twitter. And with everything covered in AEW this week, we can go ahead and have Floyd close us out on this week and take us home. Thank you guys so much for listening. Floyd, it's all yours. Again, not wrestling-related, but very important to me in my childhood. I want to say RIP to the former Home Run King, who's the Home Run King most of my life, Hank Aaron. He passed away today at the age of 86. He lived a fantastic 86 years on this world. Uh, but I, I will leave you with this, uh, with that. It, You know what? I will tell you. Live the life that you want. I know that is simple. It's just not... Everybody might agree with all your choices, but you know what? Live the life that you want. Do what it takes to make you happy. As long as you're not harming any other anybody else, I want to make that clear. But uh, yeah, just find your happiness in life. And whether it's home, work, or school, always do your best to be elite. 